Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Today we're going to be taking a question from the Anxiety Coaches Podcast Group Coaching membership program. And one of our members asked a question in the group that she wanted answered on the show as a podcast. So we'll be answering that. And her question is around food and how how to stop using food to quiet anxiety symptoms. So we'll be getting right to that. Yay. So let's get started. This is a question, like I said, from a member of the group coaching, so let's get right to it. She says, I would love to talk about food and anxiety. So how to stop using food to quiet anxiety symptoms? That's a great question, and I'm glad that she brought it up because I don't think we've talked about this in a little while, and it's time to, I guess, to review it if we have talked about it before. You know, our food and how we deal with it is uh, amazing how it can tie in with our anxiety and it ties into both our mental and physical symptoms of anxiety and our desire to push them away. This is where it comes from. This is when we start to use food. Now, a lot of what I'm going to talk about could also be applied to using other substances. But the interesting piece about food is that we can't do without it, right? Right? Like we can't say, well, I'm going to give up alcohol for three months and see how I do, or I'm going to stop using uh, pain medications or whatever. Our substance of choices, food is one that we need to revisit daily. So it does kind of put it in a little bit of a different category. And so our mindfulness around eating is very, very important. Mindful eating can be considered a doorway into mindfulness in our lives. And that's what the book I did, I just mentioned that you can get from Audible, Savor, is uh, all about. It's about mindful eating, mindful living. And I have often looked at mindful eating as a doorway into a mindful life and a great way to heal from our food compulsions. If food happens to be your place or your distraction um, or your drug of choice to ease pain or to quiet anxiety symptoms, as our uh, group member put it, then we have to find a way to be with it without letting it take us over. And most of the times when we're eating, we're on autopilot. We eat on the run. We eat in our cars. We eat in front of the computer or the television. Or sometimes we're just eating at the kitchen sink, right? So we also eat. So that's kind of distracted eating, right? We're eating on autopilot. We're not really present. We're certainly not mindful. But another thing that we do is that we eat to push down pain. We put to push down anxiety and emotions and, uh, or our to-do list or our, our dissatisfaction in life. 
We can, so we can either just eat mindlessly or we can eat consciously, but our consciousness is around trying to push something down. And so this is where eating can become the doorway into mindfulness. So if you're struggling with food or eating issues, you can begin to see those challenges with your food as an opportunity, an opportunity to a deeper, more mindful life. It's one of those silver linings that you know I always like to talk about. Anxiety offers us a lot of things that we may not have come in contact with had we not suffered. To bring mindfulness to our food and our meals, we first need to clearly see what it is we are doing with the food. This is the perfect place to start with a food and feelings journal or notebook. I highly suggest that you do it. And if you can do it by hand, not typing it out on a computer, that's even better. There's just a nice connection between pen to paper and our our mind and body. So this is the perfect place to start, a food and feelings journal or notebook. Write out, here's, I want you to, this is how I want you to set it up. You write out the day, you write out the time, and then you write out the feelings that you had before you were eating. And then you write the foods that you ate and the amounts, and the amounts are important if you suffer from either overeating, binging, or restricting your foods. So you can add the amount that you ate. And then you write the feelings that you had after eating. Now, I want you to look up, they're in our, we keep these in our group coaching uh, files in our face, our secret Facebook group, but you can look these up online. They're the nonviolent communications feelings list. You can just Google NVC feelings list, and they are really helpful. Um, you can look at these lists to see how you feel when your needs are being met, and then you can look at these lists and see when your needs are not being met. These lists are powerful, and they can help you drill down to exactly how you feel. For an example, we often say we feel sad. Well, do you feel lost? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel vulnerable, empty, etc.? Those are all kind of sadnesses, right? So it helps us get more specific and really drill down into what we're really feeling. We often just gloss over with very general words, feeling words. Today's episode is sponsored by Prolon Life. This is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making the cells believe they're fasting. It is proven to induce autophagy or autophagy, the body's internal cellular repair and recycling pathway, which has been linked to improved health and reduced disease. The five-day program uses science-backed nutrition technology that offers the benefits of prolonged water fasting while providing food and nutrients to enhance safety, adherence, and long-term outcomes. I have wanted to do a water fast for quite a while for health reasons, but I've not found the right place or time yet, so I'm very excited to try Prolong Life. 
its five-day program as soon as it arrives. It offers all the benefits of fasting without the inconvenience. Prolong Life's program includes snacks, soups, and beverages designed to keep your body in a fasting state. It's no wonder why thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon to support healthy blood sugar and cardiovascular health. Right now, Prolon is offering the Anxiety Coaches Podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash ACP. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash ACP for the special offer. Prolon L Nutra. That's prolonlife.com slash ACP. Writing a journal gives you many places to interrupt your unconscious or mindless eating, and it gives you a clear picture of your feelings. You begin to see the threads. If you if you keep this journal day after day and you go back and look at it, you begin to see threads of emotions, of timing, of real difficulties, of escapism, distraction, it becomes very, very, very clear. And you can begin to see, was I really eating because I was hungry? Or was I eating because I had all of these emotions? It's also a good thing to be able to really identify your different hungers. And by different hungers, I mean you can have physical hunger, can have emotional hunger, or you can have sensory hunger. And just to split those open a little bit, you you want to look at physical hunger as uh, a kind of hunger that it, it it's not there immediately. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm hungry. It builds kind of gradually. It's usually below the neck, meaning that it is a body hunger. It occurs several hours usually after the last time you ate or a meal. It goes away when you're full. And this kind of eating leads to a feeling of satisfaction. So that's real physical hunger. That's the place that we are nourishing our body, where we're using food as fuel for our lives. Then there's emotional hunger. Emotional hunger is that hunger that develops really quickly. Like all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're like, whoa, I got to eat. Emotional hunger strikes above the neck. It's in our head. Emotional hunger is unrelated to time and it persists despite fullness. And this is where I teach in my eating courses how to distinguish when to start, when to stop eating. But emotional hunger, you will continue eating despite fullness. It's just a tip off. And emotional hunger and eating, with emotional hunger, the eating leads to guilt and shame. So that's where the journal again is helpful because you're beginning to see you had different feelings after eating, right? So You might have thought, well, how could I feel any different after I ate? Believe me, if you keep track of your eating long enough and you have had difficulties with eating, you will notice there will be different feelings or emotions that are coming up after the meal or the snack or the binge. And write down the binges too. 
Be honest with this. There's no sense keeping it if you are not uh, fully disclosing what's happening. And finally, we have sensory hunger. And we're all, we all fall into this. Sensory hunger can trigger us to eat from the sight of food, from the smell of food, from the taste of food. This is where some people aren't too hungry until they start eating. And it's that taste of food that keeps them going. And also the touch of food. How does it feel in your mouth? And the sound, many people, believe it or not, are triggered. Sensory hunger is triggered by the sound of food, the the noises of eating, the noises of a potato chip bag, the noise of the refrigerator door opening and closing. Again, it's amazing all of the different ways that we can be triggered into being hungry. And what it is that we want to do is to be clear of what it is that's happening. Again, that's the mindfulness of it. That is the actual being present with your mind and body when you are eating. And you can see these things while you're eating. Again, in my, uh, I teach an eating course and mindful eating course, and it gets into things like Who's eating? Why are you eating? Where are you eating? All of these make a big difference. So pay attention. Write it down. Because you think, I don't need to write it down. I experienced it. I will remember it. No. I have been reading people's food and feelings journals for 11 years. And I will tell you, even when I had clients that used to come to my home. I don't see people in person anymore. But when when people would come to my home and they would bring the physical journal with them and they would reread pieces of it to me, they would themselves be shocked at what they were reading because they hadn't reread it. And they, in their mind, their recall was a little bit different and sometimes a lot a bit different than what they had written down in the moment. There is real magic in putting pen to paper and writing these things down. And lastly, when it comes to eating for us today with this little segment on answering our listeners' question, our members' question, um, what we want to do is see if we are having any excuses right? We often give ourselves a pass by saying things like, life is stressful. I just love the taste of food. I deserve to eat. Food tells me that I'm worthy. I was told that I have to eat. Food gives me comfort when I'm sad, lonely, angry, depressed, anxious. I'm addicted to food. I'm too busy. I have no time to pay attention to food or eating. That's a big one. I hear that one all the time. I'm too busy. Family is stressful and I need to fix meals for them. My work is difficult or stressful and food helps me get through the day. Or your own excuses. And I say excuses because when we sit with these And when we write them down in our journal, we begin to be able to split it up, to open it up a little bit and say, let's pick one and go with it. Food gives me emotional comfort when sad, lonely, angry, depressed, or anxious. Food gives me emotional comfort. Well, let's look at that. Let's sit with that. 
And let's ask ourselves, is that working for me? Well, food should give us comfort. Food is a joyful thing. It is a wonderful thing in our lives. We eat and we're supposed to enjoy eating. Again, that's another way that we evolved. If food was not uh, uh, pleasurable, we wouldn't have done it. We wouldn't have survived. These things that we think are problems are actually all part of how we were kept alive and how we evolved. But we need to keep conscious about them and not let them just run amok. So by saying that food gives you emotional comfort, you can look at that without judgment and say, yes, food does give comfort. But do I need to comfort my emotions with food? Is there another way that I can give myself emotional comfort? Is there something I can do for self-care? Is there a problem that I need to solve that is just really bugging me emotionally? Is it simply that I am anxious because I have let myself run wild with thoughts today, that I have believed every thought that marched across my mind today? Have I taken time to take care of myself? Did I meditate today? Did I eat at appropriate times? Often we skip meals. Many of the people that I deal with with food issues don't overeat, they undereat. They restrict all day long. And then they wonder why they feel a problem at night and start eating and it feels comfortable. Well, number one, you needed to eat. You hadn't eaten all day. It was the the body is just loving that you're finally paying enough attention to fully feed it, to give it the nourishment and the fuel that it needs on a physical level. And then you had a problem that you were thinking about at the same time, and these things become enmeshed. And we begin to think, oh, I feel better, and my emotions are calming down a little bit. Well, everything's calming down a little bit because you're not in a stressful fight or flight from being starved. There's a time and a place to eat and there's a time and a place to stop. But starving ourselves and then binging in the evening, it becomes intertwined then with our feelings and our emotions. And we feel like, oh, I felt so much better after I ate, right? Or we're in, let's take a case of someone who just um, nibbles all day long because of their anxiety, just constantly pushing down, pushing down. And that's exactly what's happening. We are using food as a way to distract to the point of it being a discomfort and a disservice to our body. Keep pushing the food down. When, if you are a an emotional overeater, When you stop eating, your emotions finally come up and they are able to give you their voice and then you can deal with them. And if it's an anxious thought, this is a call. This is the blessing. This is the silver lining I talk about for you to pay attention and to deal with it and to separate out what's to be afraid of and what isn't. And just learning to let thoughts go versus have to push them down with food. It's a wonderful, wonderful practice. Eating mindfully each meal and every snack that you have, eating it with full awareness and attention will not only help you with your eating and knowing that you're eating mindfully, 
and with care and stopping when you're full or on the flip side, eating when you're hungry, it will also bring all of that practice into your regular life. It's just like a meditation. So if you say you don't have time for meditation, make the first five minutes of your meal a meditation. Eat each bite with full awareness and it won't be pushing feelings down because you will be fully aware of what you are doing. So again, the anxiety, pushing anxiety down with food or comforting anxiety with food is just another way of being mindless, of being not in the process of our of our moments of our life. So slow things down. Notice that you're doing it, just like we do in meditation. Notice it. Don't judge it. Don't be hard on yourself. And just say, isn't that interesting? And then make another conscious choice. Every moment we have an opportunity to make another conscious choice. I hope this has been helpful for you. There's so much around food and anxiety. Um, I could do a number of shows on it. So let us know if you have any questions that you would like answered on the show. Send us an email to anxietycoachespodcast at gmail.com. And now for today's quote. This is from Mother Teresa. There is enough time to get the work done and play, money to survive, share, retire, food to eat with joy and delight, love to give to self and to others. Again, that is Mother Teresa. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com. I'd like to invite you to our exclusive group coaching membership. It's an opportunity to join a community of like-minded individuals that are committed to achieving their personal goal of living with more peace and calm. Our membership program offers you the chance to connect with a group of individuals who are dedicated to clearing their chronic stress, anxiety, and panic while living with joy. You'll have the opportunity to participate in live group coaching sessions with me. By becoming a member, you also gain access to exclusive resources and materials designed to support your healing, well-being, and growth. These include skill sheets, access to all the Anxiety Coaches podcast episodes ad-free, and perhaps the most significant benefit of our membership program is the support and accountability that comes from being part of a group of like-minded individuals who are all striving towards similar goals. You'll be able to share your experiences and insights with coaches and group members, receive feedback and advice, and build relationships with people who share your desire to live with freedom from anxiety, worry, and negative thoughts. Start overcoming anxiety today and make it last a lifetime. Sign up for our group coaching membership today and take the first step toward unlocking your full potential for more peace and calm. Go to acpgroupcoaching.com. I'd love to see you in the group acpgroupcoaching.com. The link is in the show notes.